0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to start by telling you a story. And uh, if this starts to feel familiar, um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not, I mean, you, can, you can, like a good Lutheran, smile as loudly as possible. <laughs> it's a story about you. Not you as a church. Church. And, you know, not like us together here in this room, but it's a story about you and your life. And it's a story about me and my life. The other day, just go with me here. If I, if I don't get all the details right, remember, I'm trying to tell a story about like 115 people at once, okay? The other day, you and someone else in your family, maybe it was your spouse, maybe it was a parent or a sibling, and maybe it was you and one of your kids. Um, you got into a fight, and you both said things that you would never say to them on a good day. The argument then reached this, the the fine point, you know, where you say, fine, fine. And then someone walks off and someone slams a door and the hot war transitions to a cold war where you pass each other in the hallway. Like, oh, you live here too. Sorry. Excuse me. Yep. You can go on through, you know, um, you know, it's, things are weird. You know, the physical affection is all gone. Okay. And then you've got to go back to work, or you've got to go to school, or you've got to try to write a sermon. And you feel stuck, like you're stuck in first gear, like you're moving at a crawl, at the speed of molasses in February. It's a little faster than molasses in January, but it's still slow, because your mind is elsewhere, your heart is elsewhere. Your feelings were hurt, but you also hurt that other person's feelings. You sinned against them, and things are not okay. And nothing has been done to acknowledge that, to try to make that right. But you're just trying to go, you know, put on a brave face. Hey, you know, everything. Oh, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. You know, can't complain. How about that weather, huh? Or, you know, trying to write a sermon. Like, what am I supposed to say when I'm feeling like just a garbage human being? And I'm supposed to get ready to preach. (laughs) King David, if if that sounds familiar to you, and you know, you can nod or blink once, twice, or three times. You see what I'm doing here? (laughs) Anything you do tells me that, yes, I'm familiar with this. If you're familiar with this, that's great. Because King David, who wrote the sermon text for today, Psalm 32, he was familiar with this too. He said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. I feel like I can relate to that. When I kept silent, something ate me up on the inside all day long. But here's the thing. We are so twisted and corrupted by sin that even though it's painful and difficult, it's still somehow easier to just like not address it. It feels uncomfortable (laughs) to clear the air. Like we want to avoid conflict, right? Because we're all taught as kids, be nice. And we just had this big blowout fight, maybe, and the last thing we want to do is head right back into that. So we're going to kind of just keep on keeping on and let things simmer down and maybe, you know, everything will just turn out all right after all. And as part of doing that, every now and then we'll say things to ourselves like, he started it, (laughs) Or, or we say this one, this is good. I was only telling the truth and sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes the truth is unpleasant as a license for, you know, being a bit of a jerk. Scripture calls this covering our iniquity as if we were to sweep it under the rug. And iniquity is a word used interchangeably. Is, I'm, this is popping again, isn't it? I got I to work on this. Sorry, it's, right, it's a good time for me to adjust the microphone. Somebody can catch that alarm too. All right. Iniquity is used interchangeably with wrongdoing or sin in the scriptures. Sin. You're a sinner. God knows it. We all know it. Your family knows it. But when you try to cover that up, this is really important. When you try to cover that up and keep silent about it, that doesn't work well. That leads us to this icky place. Where sin starts dissolving us from the inside out. Our bones waste away through groaning all day long. And scripture says, blessed is the person in whose spirit there is no deceit. In other words, blessed is the person who's not lying to themselves about what they've done. Who's not lying to themselves about the sin that they've committed against someone else. The sin they've committed against God they're walking in the light of the lord it says in first john chapter 1 if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us there is a way out of this when we refuse to own our sin against one another and against god what happens well psalm 32 verse 4 says, day and night, your hand was heavy upon me in the ESV. In the New Living Translation, it says, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. The vibrancy of my life gone under the weight of God's hand on us while we're walking around with unconfessed sin. The pressure doesn't let up. Things are only going to get worse and worse. And if you leave this unaddressed, here's what's going to happen. Your conscience calluses over. And then it'll start to become more comfortable, more doable to live in unrepentant sin. And that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be, to live with a seared conscience Because then calls to repent start falling on, not sensitive conscience, but a calloused one that just shrugs that off. I don't care about that. The discipline of God on you, friends, that wastes away our bones all day long, that is actually a kindness of God. God doesn't take pleasure in your feeling gross because of sin. God's love poured into your heart, God's love poured into your heart often takes this shape. I feel really bad about the way that conversation went. And I can't write. I can't read. I feel like I hardly even know how to do my job anymore. I'm stuck. I got to make this right. That is God's love poured into your heart. Romans 2 verse 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? To get out from under the burden of your sin, friends, we've just got to do one thing confess it. That's what it says in Psalm 32. I acknowledged my sin to you, in verse 5, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And what happens? You forgave the iniquity of my sin. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the blood atonement? Where's all that other stuff that goes on? It's maybe they're in between the lines. But the simplicity of this picture is that when we say to God, oh, listen, I'm done trying to hide this. I'm done trying to cover it up. I'm going to confess it. And what does God do? He forgives our sin. Now, Satan would have you believe that you're the only person who has ever sinned in the particular way that you're feeling convicted of. Satan would uh, have you believe that nobody has ever said the sort of insults that you have said. Nobody has ever strung those particular words along in just that way, the way you have. Satan would have you believe that nobody has ever been as impatient with their kids as you have. Satan would have you believe that nobody has ever been addicted to pornography or to alcohol or to food like you are. Satan wants you to think that you are all alone, king of the hill when it comes to sin. That you've somehow got more sin than God has forgiveness for. And that the safer thing to do is to just not open up about any of it. But that is a lie. That is a lie. There's no way that we can out-sin the forgiveness of Jesus. You feel me? You can't use up that gas tank. Why did Jesus come into this world after all? Why did Jesus go to the cross? What did he come to do? You can just shout it out. That's okay. Anyone? I should ask one of my confirmands. Lauren, you feel like answering this right now? No? That's okay. I'm sorry. What did Jesus come to do? Who did he come to save? Us. What are we? Sinners. In Matthew 9, 13, Jesus says, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. You cannot sin so much that God runs out of forgiveness for you. The entire ledger detailing all the sin that you would ever commit in your entire life, including days that have not yet come to pass, that was all priced in to the deal. That was all factored into the plan when Jesus stepped down out of heaven into creation to go to the cross for us. He didn't pay for just a certain amount and we all got to be, you know, kind of careful to not sin more than that. Otherwise, oh, what are we going to do then? Right. Jesus' blood only covers part of that. No, Jesus' blood covers all of it. So don't act like you don't regularly sin and need to ask for forgiveness from God and from others. That attitude, right, is what results in our strength being evaporated like water in the summer heat or like, you know, ice melt off the parking lot on a 24 degree and 24 degree day in February. It's just gone to act like, Oh, there's some sin I'm willing to confess, but there's others that I'm just going to keep to myself. Cause I'm either too ashamed of it because nobody's ever, Oh man, I'm like the only person to ever sin that badly or I've just sinned too much. I can't keep asking for forgiveness for this one thing. You know, who's telling you those things? that same voice that slithered up to Eve and said, did God really say? Right? Satan tricked her. He used some things that God did say, but he rearranged them and he added some other stuff that God didn't say. We can't listen to that voice. It's not our sin itself that results in us wasting away Under God's hand of discipline, it's when we ourselves try to cover our sin. That's what David said. He said, I'm not going to cover my sin anymore. I'm not going to try to hide my iniquity. I'm going to confess it. When we acknowledge our sin to God, when we uncover our sin, we don't need to be afraid. Because the Apostle John, once again from 1 John 1, he says this. If we are living in the light as God is in the light... Then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And King David in our Psalm says this right at the outset, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, covered, blessed is the man whose sin is covered. But I thought we weren't supposed to cover our sin. You get why that's kind of weird? Our sin does need to be covered, but when we try to cover it, we get ourselves in a bad situation. This is why in the Lutheran Church we're so insistent on uncovering our sins so that Jesus can cover them. What does His blood do to our sins? It washes them away, it covers over our guilt. We confess our sins all the time so that we can hear God's promise of forgiveness. We confess our sins like fanatics so that our consciences can be made clear. If you've experienced this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The sensation of having this burden lifted from your conscience. When you confess something and a pastor or a brother or sister in the faith says, God forgives you as horrible as whatever it is that you just might've said. First of all, I'm not surprised because I'm a horrible sinner too. We all are. And second, there is forgiveness for that. Now, there's this caricature of Lutherans that paints us as dour folks, right, who never sit in the front row, and that part is right. And, you know, we believe that all there is to life is suffering and misery and pain until we die. And that we, you know, c- confess our sins regularly so that we don't ever set our hopes too high in life, right? It's a way of humbling ourselves. Um As Garrison Keillor once said, you know, how many people in here recognize that name? Garrison Keillor? Yeah. Okay. He said, we come from people who brought us up to believe that life is a struggle. And if you should feel really happy, be patient. This will pass. And I I shared some other Garrison Keillor, uh, you know, Lutheran quips with the Bible study. Things like, you know, when your pastor tells a joke in the sermon, you smile as loudly as you can, you know, you might be a Lutheran if you put chow mein noodles in Jello and call it a casserole. You might be a Lutheran if your church's communion cabinet is open to all, but the coffee cabinet is under lock and key. <laughs> Do not touch the Folgers. It says somewhere. I don't know, but that's just a caricature. That's that's good for some laughs on you know a Prairie Home Companion back in the day. The truth is this, blessing and life come when your sins are forgiven. We don't do this to, you know, not set our expectations too high. We do it because it's like the, it's, it's a, it's a weapon of the spirit that God uses to fight by our side. Like we sang in a mighty fortress is our God. For God himself fights by our side with weapons of the spirit. This is one of those weapons of the spirit that you can confess All of your sins, all of them, and have them all forgiven in church. That's what's offered to you freely in the divine service or any other time you want to confess your sins. Every time you're honest about sin and you confess it to God and others, there is the announcement of forgiveness. God commands me to announce it. God commands all of you to announce forgiveness. Colossians 2.14 says he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. The record of charges against you has been nailed to the cross in between the wood itself and Jesus' own hands. So now you might be wondering, well, then why didn't we confess and have absolution today at the start of our service, Pastor? (laughs) What's going on? And if you didn't notice that, that's okay. You can just act like, yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. Why didn't we have that as the way we typically start our services? And that would really cut the legs out from this, you know, from under this entire sermon, if we just were not going to have confession and absolution. But what we're going to do now, and at least for the entire season of Lent, if not longer, is we're going to let God's word, specifically God's word of law, convict us of our sin. We're going to let the word of God do work on us through the readings, through the prayers and the sermon, and then... We're going to confess our sins and we're going to have the promise of God's forgiveness. You know, we teach our confirmands. Lauren, you're the first one I saw again. So what does God's law do? It shows us our sin. Yes. God's law shows us our sin. I could have asked Lara too. She's up there. Next one's coming to you, Lara. Okay. And then there's Kelby. Great. God's law shows us our sin. But if we confess our sins, if we have an invocation and we confess our sins before God's law has showed us anything, what are we confessing? We're going to give room for the Holy Spirit to convict us through God's word in the service. And then we're going to hear absolution pronounced as if hearing the very words of our Lord Jesus himself. I forgive you all of your sins. And then we're going to agree with King David. What joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sin is put out of sight. The peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.